Hey, Rennie Harlan, director of Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. What fantastical tale have you come to weave in my dreams tonight? Phil, head of Warner Brothers Studios, I've come to tell you that there's a new script I read called Deep Blue Sea, and I'd like $60 million here in 1998 to make that movie. Let me just turn off my brand new XM satellite radio so I can really focus on your $60 million movie idea. Oh, nope, sorry, that just makes it a lot louder. Let's try this. And... Now it's off. Now, did I hear you correctly? It's called Deep Blue Sleep, right? Oh, no. As in Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Deep Blue Sleep. (laughs) No, that's a great idea, and we should make that film. But Mm. but this year, I want to make Deep Blue Sea. It's a shark attack movie. It's about making smart sharks, and in an underwater lab, they attack a bunch of people, starring Thomas Jane. Whoa, okay. Well, obviously, love Thomas Jane. Yep. A bunch. Yes. But let's start at the, uh, you know, let's break this down a little bit. Okay. Shark attack movie. Yeah. The whole movie is sharks killing people underwater, and I need $60 million. Okay. I like sharks killing people. I like underwater. Still a little confused why you have to be under the sea to make the sharks smart enough to kill people. It's the only way. Uh, uh, For the sake of the pitch, I'll take it. How smart are these sharks? Are we talking Really smart. Bobby Fischer smart? Are we talking like... Yes, they could probably win a chess game against a human. So these are really smart. They're crazy f- smart sharks. How do sharks. you get the chess pieces into the tanks with the sharks? No, it's not a chess movie. It's a shark movie, Phil. It's all about sharks. Well, when do they play the chess? There is no chess. It's murder zone time. Oh, okay. The whole movie. You, this sounds better. It's good. Okay, so they're gonna, they're like LL really... Cool J's gonna be in it, and oh, Samuel L. Jackson's gonna Holy be in it. Holy cow. What do you say? Wait, why didn't you lead with that? You're leading with Thomas Jane, I who I a, love. I just got an email about it on my old Apple Mac. I yeah. Mac. I love that the sharks are murdering all these people. Sounds great. But the question I have is, how are they getting inside their dreams? Not Nothing to do with dreams. It has nothing to do with the Nightmare on Elm Street 4, the Dream Master. But you're Renee Harlan of Nightmare on Elm Street 4, I'm the Rennie Dream Harlan. Master. I'm Rennie Harlan. I'm Rennie Harlan, I think. You probably are. You would know. <laughs> Bad science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Bad Science. I, of course, am your host, Ethan Edinburgh. And today we're talking about one of the most uh, critically acclaimed films of all time. I think it's number two to Citizen Kane. It's Deep Blue Sea, everybody, from, I should know the year, but I think it's like... 1999. 1999. Okay, I was going to say 98. I'm glad Zeke is here. And let me introduce uh, Zeke further. He's a writer on AP Bio. You might know him from Comedy Bang Bang. He's a writer, actor, comedian, and power forward, as I've recently Yes, that's Uh, correct. It's Zeke Nicholson. How's it going, Zeke? Hello. Great. Happy to be here. Thank you for coming. Uh, This movie was a true delight to watch, so I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, I have uh, many questions for you, but let me introduce our our other guest here. We have the director of the California State University at Long Beach Shark Lab, Dr. Chris Lowe. Yeah, thanks. How's it going, Chris? It's great. Pleasure to be here. And so you are not the co-founder of the synth pop duo Pet Shop Boys. That is correct. Okay, just same name, coincidence. Just by coincidence. What a duo that would be if you ran a shark lab and (laughs) And did synth pop on the weekend. (laughs) That'd be pretty sweet. (laughs) Pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so so, uh, piggybacking on on what you said there, was it your first time watching this film or you had seen this already? You know, it's one of those things that I feel like clips of it have floated around the internet. And so I, I had seen portions of it, but I honestly don't know that I'd ever watched it all the way through. Wow, okay. And um, it was pretty shocking. I <laughs> yep. was playing a game with myself of trying to predict who was going to die and in what order and yeah. was sh- cool, uh, to- uh, wrong almost Side all the swipes. time. Yes. Yeah. The movie does a great job of yeah. doing that. For I sure. will say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was great. So loved it. Chris, give me your backstory uh, first on the film and then I'll, I'll give my own. <laughs> well, you know, as as shark films go, mm-hmm. I put it up there among one of the more fun. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So. So, uh, you know, after Jaws, you know, it, and Jaws is really sets a very high I feel like, level, yeah, Jaws right? has to be the best shark film. It, it, it's it got it's got science to it. Yep. Not realistic science, but it's got science. Science is in the script. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and at the time, it was pretty well done. I mean, the CGI sure. was 
pretty good. You know, it, it yeah. at the time, it, yeah, yeah. it was a really well-made movie, and it was probably one of the better shark movies that I would call. Absolutely. And had you seen it uh, when it came out? Yeah, I did. I okay. did. And I don't usually do that because usually it's just I shake my head going, oh, my God, this is horrible. <laughs> right. But but it was fun. It was funny. And, and just like Zeke was saying, you just didn't know who was going to get eaten yeah. first. Yes, yes. And, and that was the part that also made it kind of interesting. Absolutely. 100%. I saw it when it came out. I, for some reason, have seen this movie many times. I realized while watching it this time, there were parts I didn't remember, of course, but it was dawning on me of like, I spent hours of my childhood watching this movie, like yeah. over and over. I don't know why I liked it, but uh, but maybe it's because of what you're saying. It's just an entertaining, fun, uh, horror suspense film, right? Well, more than that, I use it as an instructional aid. So <laughs> I actually, classroom? in my classes, yeah, it's kind of fun because I'm like, uh, this is, we're going to learn about bioethics, right? And we're going to do okay, it using this movie. And my students are like, wow, that's just, it's crazy the stuff they were doing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah see, there's a reason why bioethics exist, and they sure. violate. This is what happens when you violate bioethics. Yeah, can't you, mess with the, the creatures. Exactly. What was yeah. the law? The Harvard Genetics Compact or something? Exactly. Like, is that a real? Exactly. I no, don't know. Probably not. Okay. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> they're just like, let's put the word Harvard in it, and it sounds legit. <laughs> yeah, it does. There was a lot of those weird. moments in the movie where they're saying something. You're like, should I look into this because it sounds right. totally ridiculous? Yeah. Um, okay, I have some quick uh, uh, trivia about the movie because, of course, I was fascinated after watching it this last time of like, how the hell did this come together at all? Um, so, obviously, Samuel L. Jackson is in this movie prominently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. Quickly, though, he yep. looks older in the movie than he does now. <laughs> right, yeah. It came out 19, 20 years ago. Yeah, it's crazy. unbelievable. Yeah. He's in great shape. All that golfing. Full vampire. He does. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, he was, I read, golfing in between. Uh, uh, takes he would like take breaks and go golfing and come back, <laughs> which sense. I thought was great. Um, okay, so initially they wanted him to play the LL Cool J role. Mm-hmm. There was no role of what's this guy's name, uh, Russell Franklin. Right. That's by the way the venture capitalist. I just want to yeah, the venture capitalist. I just also want to say I don't know anybody's name in this movie. I LL Cool J also has a really specific name that is not said until I think three fourths of the <laughs> right. way through the movie, yes. and I was like, what? No, that can't be <laughs> that his can't name. be his name. Yeah, I can't remember what it is. It's but it something, is something like funny. Butler Marshall yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's that. like Shrimley or like, <laughs> yeah, it's some ridiculous name. So, okay, there was no role. There was no Samuel Jackson role at all. And so they sent him the, the movie and I guess his agent or his management or something said, we don't like the optics of him playing a chef. So, you know, come up with something else. And so the director just decided like, all right, you're going to be the richest guy ever. And yeah. you're going to we're going to make you this like crazy scene where you get eaten and everybody's going to remember it and then he said okay now I'm in I'm in that's amazing <laughs> yeah which I thought was great so, it worked too that's the most yeah. memorable scene in the oh, movie absolutely. by oh far oh my god and it's, it's just it had nothing to do with the script it was just Samuel Jackson being like I need something more. I need something else I need something bigger or I'm not doing it he got eaten I kept pausing that part and if you look the, the CGI is like it was yeah. great when it came out in 99 but now it looks hilariously outdated and he looks like a Sims character yeah. that is like getting eaten by a Sims shark <laughs> yes <laughs> it's so good um, that's also a fun game you can play with this uh, with this movie is like just watching for the shark attacks like because sometimes the shark is this these huge animatronic right, sharks right. that they make and sometimes it's CGI and sometimes the people are CGI right. and some, so I don't know I just keep a lookout for that yeah. if you're watching the film um, okay so they like I just said they built these these uh, these sharks these Makos am I saying that right? yeah, yeah okay. uh, they use 747 uh, like equipment and mm-hmm. technology to build these self-contained units. So they were remote-controlled machines that had (laughs) 1,000-horsepower engines. Wow. They weighed 8,000 pounds, and they swam on their own. There was no wires uh, or apparatuses, and they swam 30 miles per hour. So it was, like, a really impressive... And they built, like, four of them. That's amazing. Yeah. So an impressive uh, feat there. And then I wanted to ask you about this. The head of special effects, this guy, Walt Conti, and uh, Mm shout-out to Walt for a great job on this film, uh, was quoted saying, a shark's jaws actually float in their skulls, giving them a specific kind of motion. As far as I know, we're the first animatronics team to totally mimic the multifaceted jaw of the shark. Well, they did a very good job. Let's put it that way. However, 
it's actually amazingly sophisticated how shark jaws work. Okay. I mean, it's 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 amazing. It's like a reciprocating saw that floats in its skull. They're not fully attached, so Whoa. the jaws can be protruded. It's kind of like watching Alien. You remember the Alien movie and the oh, jaws right. come out? Yeah. Sharks can kind of do that because their jaws are not physically attached to their skull like they are in other animals. Whoa. Uh, but you got to remember, a lot of their teeth are serrated like a steak knife. So if you just clamp down on something, you push down on something with a, a serrated blade, it doesn't cut any better. You have to saw with it. Uh-huh. So the advantage of having jaws that wiggle and articulate in the middle is that you can vibrate them in a way that makes it work like a vibrating reciprocal saw. That's and that's scary. how they can excise beautiful pieces of meat very, very quickly. Right. So while they did a very good job, Makos are not a good example of that. It's kind of like the gnarly kid from England or something like that with bad teeth. <laughs> I mean, Makos are tears. They're not good sars. Oh, so okay. They have those little, they have like thin, kind of more needle-like teeth, They're like right? daggers, yeah. right? And they're Whoa. kind of bent, and they're not serrated at all, and they're horrible for sawing. <laughs> they're great for tearing. Uh-huh. Okay. So in that sense, I would argue, yeah, they did a good job at making the jaws look somewhat realistic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're still, there's a lot of research being done on shark jaws because they're mechanically so interesting. Yeah. I mean, if they're not, you're, you're saying they're they're not really connected. How does that, What? how are they connected? Then? Tendons. Oh, Tendons okay. and muscles. And then oh. they actually can disarticulate from the skull. And remember, the skull is all made of cartilage. The whole thing's made of cartilage, wow. which gives it increased flexibility. But they've got these massive tendons and jaw muscles associated with it so they can open and close the mouth. But the ability to protrude the jaw and grab onto things and shake and wiggle, yeah, I mean, it's the best saw ever. Wow. Okay. That Very is so cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, there was, uh, if you guys remember, do you, just a quick uh, quiz here. What's the the main character's name? Thomas Jane is the actor. Do you Who know? could know? <laughs> do you know what his name is? I can't remember. <laughs> no. Any? Do you want to take a guess? Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be a badass kind of. I'm a shark wrangler. It's, oh, right, it can't exactly. be like Warren something. It's uh-huh. it's gonna be a badass name. I can't remember. The I <laughs> the one line of his that I remember is that he says something to the effect of "I'm not a scientist. I'm just the fish keeper." Uh-huh. Uh So that fish keeper was my mind. <laughs> That's why I was referring to him as I was watching. Uh, fish keeper said this. Uh, his name is Carter Blake. Uh, that, okay, which, there you go. God, sure, I had no idea. Definitely yeah. never said in the dialogue. <laughs> I think uh, once or twice the they female call doctor Carter. right yeah. calls yeah, him yeah. Carter, but it is yeah very. I just I, I thought that was a really funny thing about the movie. I just had no idea who anybody was. Right. I That's didn't know great. anybody's name. Um, so he at one point is they're talking about like the fence that is keeping the sharks in and how part of it is steel and part of it is titanium. And so I read that uh, titanium uh, is like only stronger than stainless steel in a strength to weight comparison, and so they're really like pretty similar and there's no need to like use that pricey material for fencing. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. the, the entire $200 million budget would have been spent in having a titanium fence. Yeah, it was crazy. So I just thought that was, because it's also like pretty unnecessary in the plot too. Like right. we don't need to know right. about that, but they spend a bit talking about like, oh my God, the fence, it's like half this. And it's half, it's like, yeah. what? But it doesn't matter. Um, so I thought that was really funny. Okay, so this is another one I wanted to ask you about. So he's rubbing at one point the shark, like soothing it, like, you know, gently rubbing it. And it says here that that, uh, that in fact the, the shark scales are, are, are quite rough and so like this kind of petting would like maybe cause his hand to bleed that they're not like dolphins uh, it depends what direction you pet oh okay so if you pet from head to tail it's very smooth mm. if you go the other way it's very rough and the reason is their scales are actually teeth they're an extension of their jaw. So the scale actually has dentine, just like your teeth it's Whoa. super hard and it's shaped like a tooth so uh, why? Some, why? <laughs> well, actually, there's some really cool research being done at Harvard. Harvard right? Well, we're going to justify it. Sounds legit. <laughs> no way. Doctor, I'm going to listen now. <laughs> Dr. George Lauder and his students are doing some really cool work. And it turns out that because they're very small and they overlap each other, they reduce drag. Mm. So they make the shark move through the water more efficiently. Okay. But the other cool thing that they're finding is it actually induces lift. It helps generate lift. Oh, wow. So sharks are different than all other fish in that they, if they stop swimming, they sink. So, you know, some fish have a little air bladder in their body, like a little balloon that they can adjust and move up and down without beating a fin. Sharks, however, have to constantly swim to stay afloat. Their one flotation strategy that they have is an enormous liver that's filled with oil. 
And because oil is less dense than water, it tends to float. So, but the scales are turning out to be very, very important. And their skin is actually like an ectoskeleton. Okay. It's where they attach their muscles to, and when they swim faster, they can actually tighten their skin. And when they're swimming nice and relaxed, they actually loosen their wow, skin. Wow, crazy. So the Navy is all about shark skin because you right. can make <laughs> submarines that are faster and more efficient. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's super cool. That is very cool. Um, and then just as a final trivia note here, I wrote that uh, – when we see, there's like a part where we see the the microscopic brain tissue stuff that is it's like turning on because she drips a little bit of the I don't know what right, shark right, protein right. from their brain or something. <laughs> yeah. We see neurons firing like electrical neurons, and right. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and so I looked it up, and it's just simply impossible. Yeah, yeah. there's just no way that yeah. that exists. Uh, the reaction time was six point five zero seconds. <laughs> Whatever that means, I don't know. <laughs> they were so hyped Sounds up legit. about that number. <laughs> yeah, they really were. They were celebrating quick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, okay, so now that we got that out of the way, I was just curious on your background. How did mm-hmm. you get into sharks? I mean, clearly Deep Blue Sea motivated you to get into the field, I assume. Uh, but maybe before that, did you have anything? Yeah. Well, actually, I grew up on Martha's Vineyard. Okay. And, um, you know, there was really nothing to do there but swim and dive and boat. And from the time I was very young, I fished every day. Wow. And I remember when I was about eight, I, I caught a dogfish. I didn't know what it was. And I was I was not a good student, so I actually went to the library to look up what this thing was. And oh, so I, sorry. A library is like a big uh, building with books and uh, newspapers and such, so it, where you can it, find information. Sure. Exactly. I have to remind. It's actually a physical building. It's like you your go Amazon in. Yeah. Marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's less stuff to buy, but right. it is very similar. So we'll call it early Google. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I go into the library and I find a book and I start looking through it. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. There's this whole group of fish. That I've never caught before, and they're really unique. And that kind of got me started, kind of int- my interest in sharks, but it also got me started on being a better student because then I, I learned that, you know, there's this animal called a marine biologist, and I thought, wow, that'd be pretty cool. You get paid to go fishing whether you catch anything or not. Right. That right. sounds like a deal. Yeah. So, um, and then, of course, Jaws was being filmed when I was about 11. So I was there. Wow. And they filmed on the vineyard? Yeah. Mm. So it was really cool because for me, watching Jaws now is like watching a home movie. Yeah. Because it's it's filled with locals. Wow. The whole movie was was all the cast, aside from the main your four. Your local barber, your, the butcher, Steve. Everybody. The two kids in the movie I went to school with. Oh, so, that's very cool. So yeah. it's really, it was cool to be there at that time. And, of course, you know, being interested in sharks before that whole movie came out. And it was amazing. It was great. Yeah. You know, the summer of 2000, what was it? It was 1976 or 75 when that movie came out was the best summer ever because there were tons of people on the island at the beach, but nobody would go into the water. (laughs) And we had it all to ourselves because we're like, this movie is total BS. You know, we saw this mechanical shark. It doesn't do anything. (laughs) Yeah. So that, that was kind of my start. And then, you know, of course, that kind of started the whole genre of shark movies and Mm -hmm. Deep Blue Sea was one that was a bit more serious a little bit bigger budget than most and then of course the Sharknado you know right something tells me we might not have Sharknado if we didn't have Deep Blue Sea I agree does that make sense okay I agree have you been do you like fish or scuba diving are you into any of that I fished a little I'm from upstate New York and did some like light creek fishing in my youth but never yeah the ocean is a mistress I respect greatly (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not dying to figure out everything that's going on in there. But I I did, I, like, took oceanography in college. And I think, like, scientifically it really interests me. But, um, yeah, I don't, it's a little scary. I don't want to drown. I'm with you. (laughs) I feel like it's a... It's a dangerous depth to go. Mm -hmm. I'm very scared. Uh, That doesn't, like, freak you out, like, going, like, diving? No. No. Nope. No, I I love it. It, wow. it. It's it's going to into a completely new world. It's quieter. There's still noise, but the noise is so different. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, it's just like entering a different world. Yeah. And that's the part I love about it. Once you get over the fact that you're underwater and you're breathing underwater, and and you get past the claustrophobia parts, mm-hmm. it's actually amazing. Um, the things you see, you know, the things you hear, and it's just a different world. It's okay. a great escape, actually. Yeah. Well, then this yeah. weekend, let's let's take a diving trip. He's right. <laughs> all right. I'm convinced. <laughs> That's all it took. Um, okay. So I want to go through the film here, and I have question. I have shark questions throughout. Um, obviously, feel free to chime in in any way that you want. And then I have a game 
based on the absolutely phenomenal LL Cool J hit song, Deepest Bluest Parentheses, <laughs> My Hat is Like a Shark's Fin. <laughs> so, so that was, okay, yeah, I thought that that's what was happening over the credits, but I was yep. like, no, he wouldn't do that. Sure now, do you know that's, the song? Uh, had you heard it before? I had not, but I do, I mean, that was the era of like, that's the the Will Smith movie star rap yes. song, like like pop rap song associated with the with the film. Like yeah. that's totally. Yeah. Men in Black, yeah. the yeah. Godzilla, wow. right, right, uh, yeah. what's the, uh, Puff Daddy, yeah. Yeah. It was all over the place. But this one was especially hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen this music video, Google that right now. <laughs> Stop listening. Come back. Um, okay. So we talked about the intro, which was ridiculous. Then uh, during that intro, they spill some wine into the water, which is red wine. And so that's enough, I think, to the audience where it's like, oh, the sharks are going to come because they think it's blood. Uh, I had that question for you. Is that legit or is that completely ridiculous? Um, most sharks do not have drinking problems. <laughs> but apparently that right. one might. So... Um, Sure. I, you know, there's nothing realistic about it at all. I mean, sharks, even <laughs> in, at, of the movie. at night, you know, you, color, you know, you can't see red. Red is quickly filtered out. So if the shark's down deeper, it wouldn't be able to see that as red. So there are a number of things. And of course, it doesn't smell anything like smell, blood. Right? It has no yeah. amino acids in it that are be analogous to blood. So there's nothing there that's close to being realistic. Great. It, it, it just helps our imagination. I almost wondering. I was like, they don't, do they, the filmmakers really think that this is like going <laughs> to they must the have. <laughs> they must have. They, it was a close-up shot. It yeah. was like very important. Weird insert shots in this movie. There were a couple yes. of them. The wine bottle falling over was one. There's one where she's like taking a key, at, at, like she's right. putting yeah. a key on. Yeah, and it's like an insert on a key that then seems to serve no purpose. <laughs> yeah. later what was that, that key? Yeah, I don't know yeah. what that key was for. Yeah, good call. It's weird. Um, Man, uh, a lot of weird decisions going on in this movie. We'll try to break them down. Uh, I don't know how many I got. And then I have the the Aquatica, is that a real thing? Is that a base, like a famous base or something? Um, no. So there there have been some real Aquanaut stations that have been built right. um, that have names kind of analogous to that. Okay. Um, but they're all underwater. They're fully submerged oh. living places where people, researchers have lived so for this weeks was like, at a this time. So this is like both. Yeah, and what's really funny is that if you looked at the map, on the map... They show the map a lot. I know, but, but that's where Guadalupe Island is, oh. which is kind of White Shark Central. That's the place where all the big white sharks go and hang out. That's where mm. tourists get to go, and you get to get in the water with sharks, which you should all do. is pretty awesome. Really? Oh, absolutely. It's okay. life-changing. So you're you legitimately it. recommending that we swim with sharks? Yeah, why okay. not? You're in a cage. It's like a reverse that. zoo. Okay. Cage right? feels okay to me. Yeah. It's like a reverse not zoo. Not after this, film. <laughs> you're in the cage. The animals are swimming around, checking you out. They're the ones who are paying for admission. Yeah. So it, it's truly a cool situation. Yeah, but what that was, sounds great. What was hilarious is that the location of this bizarre underwater, this facility, yeah. is at the location of where Guadalupe Island is off the coast of oh, Baja. So maybe they're just doing like a tourist... Uh, yeah, yeah, prequel to... yeah. Did 48 meters below, whatever that one oh, was. 47 yeah. meters, yeah. Uh -huh. Which one yeah. was that? I don't know that movie. That was last summer's? Yeah. Summer before. Yeah. I'm mixing that up with The Shallows, which was the Blake Summer Lively before. One. Yeah. Okay. I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. know about that either. The only one I know is The Meg, which I also yes. have not seen. That was this summer's. See? Yes. Now you're starting to see. There's a pattern. Ah, pattern. Got I it. have to quickly get a shark movie recommendation in for you guys before yes. I forget. Please. Which is Shark Attack 3 Megalodon. <laughs> it is... If you think this movie is bad, this, like, Shark Attack 3 Megalodon is the most incredible piece of cinema that <laughs> has ever existed. It was filmed in using, I think, like an all Eastern European group of actors that they may have gotten off of the internet, but none of them can really speak English, and right. so they the entire thing has, is like ADR'd. There's like the, the mouths and the dialogue don't quite don't match, match up, but they're yeah. all speaking English. It's great. So insane, and it is like yeah, it's consistently on the like the list of like b best B movies of yeah. all time. Oh, like, wow. watch it, watch it. It's so great. There's <laughs> a scene in which somebody up. drives a jet ski into the mouth of a giant shark. <laughs> it's oh, incredible. Wow. It's the best thing ever. Yeah, that so sounds good. Check it out. Um, That's a good recommendation. That, yeah, you've it, seen this. You approve? I, 
I people give me dozens of DVDs from all these things. <laughs> like I have all the Sharknado ones. I've never I've seen only the first one. I've yeah, never seen the others. So I have this massive collection. And one of these days, I, I might have to have a lab party, and my students and I will that watch them really all. Fun. Yeah, that one will will bring up to the front. Put it to the fr- it's on Amazon Prime, so you okay. can get it for free. Boom. Great. Yeah, there you go. That's good. Well, I wouldn't want to pay for that. No, 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 no. You definitely don't. <laughs> I do own it on DVD, but you would not. Want it's to like pay a for huge, it. <laughs> huge recommendation. Definitely don't pay for it. <laughs> You're going to want to see this, but get it for free. Um, Okay, Shark Wrangler, just as a profession, is that a a job people can attain? Sort of. Okay. Sort of. So, um, actually, there's a lot of people that want to go into the field of shark research, thinking that that's what shark research is. Yes, exactly. And and wrestling them into submission. Riding like a dolphin. Yeah, literally. literally. Yeah, like he's done it a hundred times. These are questions I have to ask prospective students. Like, you know, seriously, what do you think we do? We do not do that. Right, right. Um, You know, so, and, and the other part is, is our goal when we're doing science is make sure the animal is, is treated humanely and sure. safely because, yeah. you know, you don't want to injure an animal while we're trying to learn something about them. So, you know, the whole Wrangler thing is a little cowboyish. We try to minimize that. Mm-hmm. Now, there are things you have to learn and when you're handling even a small shark, it's very powerful and you have to learn how to be careful because they can still turn all the way around and bite you yep. if you don't handle them properly. In a way, it is a form of wrangling if you don't know what you're doing because they're far stronger than you can imagine. So, but there is no shark wrangler yeah. job out there. Wow. Can you, what is the physical possibility of dodging a shark and then putting your hand on it, riding it down to the fin and then riding it out? Like, uh, not very realistic. Right? I mean, mm. you know, I've been Weird. in the water where there's lots of sharks around and they'll come close to you and they'll just cruise by. And generally the rule of thumb is it's like being on a carnival ride. Keep all your appendages inside the ride, right? Sure. So keep your arms and legs you know, close to you. You want dangly bits out there. It's just yeah. asking for a nibble. So, but the bottom line is you don't try to do that. Yeah. You can do that in some circumstances, and the sharks may behave. And, and one cool thing about sharks is if you flip them upside down, they go to sleep. Whoa. So it's something called tonic immobility, which tonic is, immobility. is different from the human firm, which is gin and tonic immobility. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so, but basically, you flip them upside down, and you hold them like that for a few seconds, and they will go to sleep. Whoa. So physiologically, everything slows down. Their heart rate, everything slows down. And you, we can actually do surgery on them in that in that state. Whoa. And then you flip them over. It's like throwing a switch. They wake up and go. Um, so when it comes to shark wrangling, we prefer that state yeah. because the animals are more relaxed. Everybody's safer. Yeah. Um, but grabbing them and riding them is a no-no. What is that? What is the tonic immobility? Like, what's the evolutionary advantage of that? Or why does that function exist? We have no idea. Mm, Nobody wow. has any really good idea. So everything from fish to lizards do this. Whoa. And chickens. You can even take a... You've probably seen the hypnosis. They take a chicken, flip it upside down, rub its belly, and they'll do the same thing. Mm. So we're not really sure what the evolutionary significance of yeah. that is. But for sharks, it might be for mating. Got it. Mating is a long, arduous process for sharks. It can take hours in some cases. So it may be that that's required to get a female in a position so that males can copulate. Got it. They kind huh. of go to sleep. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Incredibly strange. Um, I have so many questions about the uh, the fin grabbing, uh, dodging uh, move, but I'm going to try and ignore it for a second. Uh, so Ella Cool J is clearly in this film as the chef, which with a name that whatever. I got it. While you're asking this, I'm going to look it up. Yes, it's and and I'll formally apologize for not having the cast list uh, in front of me. Um, so I just wanted to mention how he has. M- m- you know, arguably normal scenes mm-hmm. in this movie. He's escaping, you know, rooms and hallways and such. But the first scene where we meet him, he's like feeding whipped cream to his bird. Yeah. And it's just a such a weird introduction <laughs> to his character. He's like talking to the bird like it's like, I don't know, his girlfriend or something. He's like, yeah, you like that? That tastes <laughs> good. And you're like, who the hell is this guy? And then nobody talks about him. Right. After everything starts right. going down, the rest of yeah. the cast, the, the, the crew, they just completely forget that he exists. Right. I thought that was incredibly strange and made no sense to me. The weird thing about that is, is he ends up being the hero in yeah. the end, right? Totally. Yeah. But more importantly, he's the philosopher. Yeah. Right. So he's, you know, he he's the preacher, right? But right. he's the philosopher who's asking philosophical questions all throughout the whole thing. And you're going, wow, the cook. 
right. who is going to end up being the hero of the story, philosophically is the smartest person in this whole thing. Yep. He also becomes the metacritic of the movie as it's yeah. going on. He's like, man, brothers don't make it out of situations like this. And then at, at one point he's like, we don't have time for an intimate moment right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so true. Okay. Uh, his character has so, it's so, it's like Swiss cheese, man. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's like, and he changes so much, yeah. you know? Like, why was he the chef in the first place? He has a line of dialogue that's like, I recognize the irony of a cook being killed in his own oven. <laughs> Uh, both he has a name that is said, but both Wikipedia and IMDb just refer to him as preacher. Yeah. Oh my that, god. That was his but nickname. He has a name. He, has a he name. says his he own name. Says his own Into name. the camera. He's like filming himself. Right. Yes. But then he gives a recipe. Right. right so yes. it's supposed to or be like, oh, if you get this and I'm dead, you know, here's yeah. how you make a perfect omelet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't use milk. I think that was his tip. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. if, you're, if you haven't seen the movie, now you're learning. Two eggs, <laughs> not three. Two eggs, not Amateurs three. Amateurs had milk for density. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is a mistake. Um, <laughs> says it was such a corny smile. Too. <laughs> He's got some really great deliveries oh, in this uh, in this movie. Okay, I wanted to ask about sharks eating other sharks because there's a scene that to me came out of nowhere. Very in spirit in mm-hmm. the movie of things coming out of nowhere. But they, I don't know exactly what happens to that one shark, but these other two sharks just annihilate right. it. And it just seemed like, okay, now what is there? Why wouldn't they annihilate each other also? What's right. going on here? So sharks do eat sharks. There's Ooh. there's plenty of shark shark eating sharks out there. Okay. Um, but they're opportunists. They'll eat sharks. They'll eat rays. They'll eat other fish. They'll eat marine mammals. They'll eat pretty much anything. Okay. Um, they don't eat each other unless you know somebody's hurt. So in those oh. cases, they they will take out uh, what we call conspecific, a uh, related individual. Okay. But by and large, they don't do that. It very doesn't often. happen. I think the point that they were trying to get at there was the sharks were becoming so smart they were working as a group. They were right. working like a pack. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, believe it or not, some species of sharks have been shown to do. Okay. Yeah. So they'll work as a group to take down a seal. Mm. These are sharks that don't get as big as a white shark. You know, they they can't single-handedly take a seal down, but working as a group, they can. Okay. So I mean, prior to that move, this movie being made, they probably didn't know that that research was out there. Um, and they thought, well, this is going to be hyperintelligence, and these animals are learning to work together and communicate. And I think that was the main point of a shark eating the tiger shark that they were feeding it. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. That's, okay. that's shark very on shark crime. Orca-esque. Orca-esque. Yeah. 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 Okay, okay. Interesting. I found his name. Oh, please. Uh so LL Cool J's name in it is Sherman Dudley. There, it there you is. go. A name Sherman that no Dudley. black man has ever had in the history of time. <laughs> Tell you what. Please write in if you are black and you have that name. I'd love to know. Sherman Dudley. Yeah, and it does because it's the first time you hear it and it's yeah. the only time you hear it. I was movie. truly like, I paused it and rewound it and re- <laughs> made sure I heard it correctly. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Sherman Dudley. Okay, before we play a LL Cool J based game, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. The break is over. Here we go back to the show about science. Um, okay, well, since we're uh, since we're goofing a little bit, let's play this game. Let's take a game break. Great. And we'll come back. So uh, I'm calling this game. My hat is like a shark's fib. Deepest blue is my hat is like a shark's fib. Hello, cool. Jay should have won a Grammy. Deepest blue is my hat is like a shark's fib. F-I-B. Where I'm going to give you lyrics and you'll tell me if it's in the song, uh, Deepest Bluest, My Hat is Like a Shark's Fin, or if I just made them up. Great. To sound like that. Okay. Uh, whoever wants to answer first, feel feel free. There's no buzzers. Okay. Um, to survive an attack, there's only one way. Battle to the death. That's how sharks play. That feels real to me. Yeah, I would say that's there. That is real. That's real. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you both have one point. Yeah, yeah, that is how sharks play. Hello, <laughs> Cool J. You know Zero. <laughs> you guys won. Uh, stab him in the eye with the Lord on my side. <laughs> Holy Father, don't bother. I got it this time. Wow. Well, that happened in the movie. Um, I, I would say no. I'm going to also say fib. That is fib. Yeah. My head is like a shark's fib. <laughs> I made that up. 
But that was wild. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> also, that did happen. Getting yeah. fully eaten in half, and then suddenly he just has a couple punctures on his leg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, it's almost like exactly. as that scene progressed, he had less and less of an injury. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. was like kind of fine by the end. Um, okay. His name's LL. You don't really want it. I ate your ancestors. The ocean is haunted. I mean, that is, I think it's real, and that's ins- fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> haunted Doc? by who or what? <laughs> yes. um, I, I'm going to say probably because it sounds crazy. That is correct. It is real. No disrespect to you. That is too crazy for you to make <laughs> No. I, I take that as a compliment. Um, that is, my head is like a shark's fin, uh, which means real. Okay. Abandoned pirate ships, eels, and sod scum. Fish that glow in the dark, the Titanic's hub. Yeah, I think you made that one up. Yeah, I agree. That is in the song. What? He says all of that random crap I just said. (laughs) 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 All right, we got two more. Chomp off your leg, you know what's next. LL raising hell, underwater T-Rex. I hope to God that that is in the song, but I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Underwater T-Rexes. I think that's you also, but I think it's a very good approximation of the spirit of it. Okay. That's my guess. Yeah, I'm going to say that's you. That is me. Yeah. Yeah. I liked Underwater T-Rex. Okay, last one. Underwater storms, your blood is so warm, your life vest is off, and that turns me on. (laughs) I'm going to say yes. That has to be That's in the shark's song. Fin for sure. It is absolutely a shark's fin. Uh, I also, don't know who won that game. I guess we all won. Extra funny because his only potential love interest in this movie is a parrot. Right. He has no other human beings he really I mean, talks to for most of the movie. There's a lot of uh, sexual tension in the music video. So maybe yeah. that's what okay. they were planning on. Got it, got they it. are really focused on his muscular stature. Right, right. I have to say one of my favorite parts of this movie was the multiple times referred to backstory of Sam Jackson surviving an avalanche. Right, right. Which... Loved that. And then <laughs> so I loved good. the exchange between Sam Jackson and LL Cool J when he's serving him a thing. He's like, hey, ain't you that guy that survived an avalanche? Need to leave that scheme to white people. <laughs> made me laugh so hard. Yeah, that was really oh good. And, and it's funny because Sam's, uh, Sam Jackson, I'm just calling Sam, he's my friend. Sam Jackson's <laughs> we're, very <close. laughs> we're very close. His response or his like reaction is almost like offended. Yeah, you know? Super he doesn't weird. like like, hear him at all. He's, right. he's saying, like, hey, man, I love snow. Yeah. <laughs> you know? The talking, when he's talking about how the ice moves with right. purpose, I was just like, this It's got is, a mind of its own, oh man. Oh, my God. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. It's great. That, that speech, I mean, I'm sure that's, like, the famous part that most people know from the film is where he is uncovering the truth. This yep. this scene is unprecedented. Right. I'm going to go on record and say, I haven't seen all films, but I think <laughs> that there's nothing like that scene uh, before it. Right. I, they, where he's giving this, he's giving you such a, a chunk of knowledge that nobody wanted and nobody right. needed. He's yep. there telling you, hey, when I was under that avalanche, we told we. I, I'm going to tell you a secret right now. <laughs> Those people we told everyone that they died of natural snow causes. Not the case. <laughs> we killed them. So weird. It's supposed. It's played like it's this emotionally resonant moment about a trip that we didn't see, right? And that right. he's a murderer. People that we right. haven't met, and a backstory of his that we don't. It's like, care. yeah, it's been vaguely mentioned once or twice. It's like, oh yeah, he was in like some avalanche thing. What is the deal with that? It's oh. So- they they killed his partner. He killed his own men. And now he's using that as a way of saying, like, I'm the leader here. I know I've survived shit before. Right. Which really? is like I mean, I would call that the the worst pep talk ever. Because yeah. that's yeah, what that was supposed speech. to be. Like, yeah. okay, troops, we got to get it together. The shark was like, I had enough of this shit. <laughs> <I know. laughs> that's right. The shark shut it down. Okay. Which is also great. Yeah, he's in the middle of the speech. He's at the climax and he gets eaten, of course. But the shark, because there's plenty of scenes where the shark can't eat somebody right. because they're on land or they're yeah. like a little bit, you know, two feet off the yeah. water. But the shark leaps in that scene completely out of the water yeah. and takes Samuel L. Jackson. And he's warned like once or twice, maybe hey man, don't step away, yeah, from the, <laughs> hey, step away from the pool, man. Yeah. <laughs> Carter Blake is like, hey man. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I'm kind of an expert when it comes to this shit. Yeah. You're going to want to step away from the water. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So I have a science question. Hopefully oh, yeah, this yeah. doesn't jump on yours. No, please. So there's a, a major runner through the movie is sharks being attracted to whatever chemical 
thing is in fire extinguishers. Oh, right. Yeah. They say, uh, I have a quote, I think. Uh, where is it? They, uh, they're attracted to, sharks are attracted, he says it very quickly, uh, Carter Blake. Sharks are attracted to churning water, bright colors. These extinguishers will distract them. That's there what he says. Yeah. And go. that is used multiple times. I yeah. So, but yeah. there's it, it, it. Yes. So distracting in the way that the shark goes over and bites one of those mm-hmm. floating distractions, right? Yes. Okay. So there's no chemical wise. That's probably no attraction. Uh, noise, sure, because it can probably detect mm. low frequency noise. That's within the shark's hearing range. The bright, colorful things. Again, you know, there's a big argument among scientists at how good sharks' color vision is. Some mm. people don't think they can see in color at all. Right. And of course, when you get in the ocean, you get down 10 feet, red is gone. Right. Whoa. Yellow's gone by 20 or 30 feet. So, you know, what's the point of being, you can't see those colors. They turn gray. So, you know, there are a lot of things that are, we call those myths, right? So these are normal myths that the public, you know, kind of gets fed all the time. And we constantly are trying to correct, but the movie takes full advantage of. Got it. What is the standard depth at which most sharks swim? Uh, Most sharks uh, are probably in the upper 600 feet of the ocean. And the reason is most of the light disappears after about 400 feet. Mm. So most of that light is gone and therefore most of the life, which is dependent on photosynthesis, is where light penetrates. So that's where a majority of the sharks are in that realm. And then there's a group that specialize in we don't need a lot of light. Um, You know, they can live deeper. And what kind of sharks are those? uh, Deep sea sharks. Oh, okay. So, so <laughs> uh, of course. Yeah, so they're usually deep all black. Shark. They're deep usually small. Sharks. Yeah, I mean they have the big eyes. Sharks. Exactly, and that's the like like Meg. You know, we're not going to talk about Meg, the recent movie out, but right. Meg being deep is not really accurate because what we knew about Megalodon based on the fossil record is that they were shallow. Oh, they weren't deep. Okay. So you know these are the you know sort of things that all these movies kind of they should hire a shark biologist to help them with their scripts. Yeah, I thought about that too while watching. Like, why is there not a shark expert on hand to tell them what's what? Now I haven't seen Meg, but I have seen Shark Attack Three Megalodon, which (laughs) I believe honestly operates under the same principle, which is that this prehistoric shark has been hiding in the Marianas Trench for thousands of years. It's always that trench. Yeah, yeah, it's always that that fucking trench. Who knows what's going on in there? Um, but yeah, so like it's so the megalodon was a real dinosaur shark, basically. Yes, it went yeah. extinct probably about twenty million years ago. Got okay. it. And was how big as compared? Forty feet, maybe. And that's everything we know about it is just based on its teeth. That's okay. it. Oh, okay. Forty feet, and then standard great white is about twenty. Okay, okay. And so, those yeah. are the biggest sharks, great white sharks. Uh, toothy ones. Whale right? sharks so whale sharks oh, right, get up right. to 30 feet long, but the plankton, basking sharks, same thing. Okay. Got it. What about these sharks? The uh, Waco, is that what? Mako. Mako, the Makos? Mako sharks? Uh, they maybe 10, 11 feet. Oh, okay. That's a big Mako, though. Yeah. It's a really big Mako. Is there any validity to the shark brain being advanced? Like, is it smarter than most things in the ocean? Uh, is it comparable to human brain? How does that work? So they have very large brains. Okay. So their brains are big relative to their body size, and they're bigger than some birds and mammals. Okay. If you if you know my dogs, then you might go, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, we do. But, I but, do know your dogs, and I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dogs are idiots. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but but the, a lot of that brain is dedicated to interpreting sensory information. So, for example, a huge part of their brain is dedicated to interpreting odors in the water. Mm. So, so, but the part of their brain responsible for deep thinking and, you know, writing War and Peace is very small. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, that's why their brain to body size is really large because they're very well adapted for sensing things in their environment. Okay. But, you know, they're not, they can learn very quickly. Okay. Like most animals can. And again, that's an advantage, right? So the quicker you learn that eating a seal means you get a huge, it's like eating 10,000 Big Macs, you know, Uh Uh, that's a good thing to do. Um, Biting a submarine is not a good thing to do. You Mm. lose a bunch of teeth, you get no calories back. Yeah. So those are the sorts of things that they learn very quickly from. I would not put them in the highly intelligent category. The parrot in the movie was by far one of the more intelligent creatures in the movie. Mm -hmm. I think I said (laughs) that diplomatically enough. Yeah. Yeah. 
this is a side note, but I was sad that he only named it Bird. I was like, yeah. you clearly have a deep relationship with this animal. Yeah, he's trying. He's risking his life right. for the bird. He's like, give it a name. Yeah. You good. have an insane name. Maybe give it one of yours. <laughs> yeah, come on. Oh, a junior at least, something. Um, so, wait, you're saying uh, that that a lot of their brain is for interpreting uh, signals, odors. So, the, the blood thing is like a huge myth. That's probably in like every shark movie. So, how far does it have to be? How quickly can it sense it? There's a scene towards the end of this movie where she jumps in and right. she's like pretty far and yeah. almost immediately the shark is yeah. like, shark is like Ooh. it's like yeah. a dog <laughs> <What? laughs> so how's that yeah what's that uh... that that isn't terribly accurate okay. right so what you have to understand is imagine you have um, a drop of blood and you put that into a pool of water and you are able to watch it disperse over time so what you're able to do is count all those molecules as they spread out and of course what happens is if the current's going this way then you get a concentration of that and and it disperses to the sides and if you go up current you can't detect it at all right so but the whole point is is they can detect very few molecules in a very small amount of water okay that's the sensitivity part. So their brain actually is very large so that they can grab those few molecules and send a signal to their brain saying, ah, I think I smell something that smells like blood. Mm. So that's the part that it becomes very hard to come up with a relatable explanation to the general public mm-hmm. well, that's why to explain concentration, right? Yeah. <laughs> In the movie, that was kind of BS, right? It doesn't uh, happen magically like that. There would have to be a strong current going in that direction. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, okay, so if you're bleeding and you're in the ocean and there's sharks nearby, like how close, uh, you see what I'm asking? Like, yeah, what, yeah. what is the concernable uh, distance range? Um, you know, it could be anywhere from 100 yards. Oh. You know, if you're in the water for a long period of time and you're bleeding for a long period of time, mm-hmm. yes, that could be a half mile or something like that. Oh, wow. But, you know, you think of Southern California, we've got some of the most populated beaches in the world. There are little kids out there with skinned up knees Every single day, they yeah. are putting all sorts of blood into the water, and yet sharks are swimming around them. They just don't care. Mm, okay. So there's two things that we have to remember. One is not all blood smells the same, right? Just like chicken smells different from beef when we smell it cooking on the grill. Mm-hmm. We're able to differentiate those things, and sharks are too. Okay. So how human blood might smell might smell very differently than fish blood or seal blood. And you may go, well, you know, I'm not a vegan anymore. I'm a meat eater, and that smells better to me. So there's probably a lot of differentiation that's been learned over time. Individuals learn, if I eat this, it smells like that. That's I smell that. I want to try to track that down. So okay. what is the relative interest that sharks have in human blood then? I, there are some amino acids in human blood. They're the building blocks of proteins that are no different in any blood. Got it. Mm. So and their receptors in their nose are detecting amino acids. They're not detecting blood. So they're detecting components of the blood. So that's the part where, you know, blood is blood. And then after that, there are some other compounds in that blood that they have receptors for that they go, oh, that smells like fat. <laughs> right. Now we're talking, or I can taste it in my mouth. So they're sort of like, this is not necessarily my first choice meal, but if it's present, then all right, why not? Exactly. And that's how shark attacks occur. So it's like, it's like going to a picnic, and there's the dessert table, and there's plates of brownies. And some of those brownies are the fake brownies, you know, mm-hmm. they have no butter in them, they're glue- gluten-free, and they look like a brownie. You can smell them. You smell chocolate. But when you bite into it, you're like, no. Mm -hmm. But the ones made with real butter, Mm -hmm. they taste good to us. Seal brownies. Exactly. (laughs) Those awesome seal brownies we all eat. Um, So so do they go into that hyper-aggressive mode? Because that's also, I feel like, a staple in these movies where the shark will smell blood and then their eyes go black and they're mm -hmm. just in this killer mode. Not usually. In okay. fact, that's rare. Okay. So normally what happens is it's like, you know, you haven't had a meal in a couple hours. You're walking down the street. Uh, you look at your watch. You notice it's noon and you start to think, I haven't eaten lately. Mm-hmm. You're not necessarily hungry. But then you walk by a shop or you start to smell odors of like a grill. Right. So yeah. now suddenly you're feeling a bit more hungry. Right. Yeah. Now you're walking down the street. You see a shop. They say, oh, we got a sale on cheeseburgers today. Come on in. Yeah, seal brownies. <laughs> exactly. So the bottom line is, as more senses start to get more information, motivation goes up. 
right? Got it. So at first it could be an abstract thing like, eh, maybe I'm hungry. But then as you build more information, like struggling animal or I, I sent some other things, now you go, okay, now maybe I should focus on how am I going to get a meal? Got mm-hmm. it. So it's less of a dramatic flip of 180 degrees. Like exactly. Normal having a good day to I'm going to kill anything in my you know area. And that's the eating machine myth, right? Right. Now what changes that dynamic is gang mentality. So now you get a bunch of individuals around the dessert table and there's only two brownies left, one of those fat free ones and a fat one. Mm -hmm. And now all the kids around the table are going to start, you know, a grudge match to see who's going to get the last brownie. If there's only one kid there, there would be no competition. Mm -hmm. Competition changes the dynamic. Mm. So animals act a bit more aggressively to get what's there regardless of its value. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're running low on time. I have some more questions, of course. Uh, the heart rate, they they mentioned at one point that he's at 50 BPM and that's <laughs> yeah. a normal thing. And like, that sounds normal for me when I like wake up in the morning. But is that a normal shark heart rate? Uh, it depends on the species and it depends on the size. Okay. Right. So little kids have higher heart rates. Right. As you get bigger, your heart rate goes down because you're a bigger body. Until it's zero. Until it's zero. <laughs> So so it depends. Some of those things, like the blood pressure thing, was total PS. Got heart it. rate could there could be some species that have heart rates around there. Okay. A lot of them are lower, mm-hmm. and the reason is uh, most sharks are what we call ectotherms. They're cold bodied, so their bodies are the same temperature as the water. If the water's cold, everything slows down. Mm-hmm. Heart rate, enzymes, activity, digestion, everything slows down. The water warms up, everything speeds up. So mako sharks are a little different because mako sharks are endothermic. As long as they can swim, they can generate heat and keep their body warmer than the water. Okay. So they would have a higher heart rate than, say, something like a horn shark or a blue shark or a leopard shark. Right. Do they sleep or, like, take rest naps? Uh, some do. Some lay on the bottom, okay. and they'll just open and close their mouth. That's how they ventilate, right? Others constantly move. So mako sharks, from the time they're born to the time they die, they're constantly swimming. They have to do that to breathe. So... The way they sleep is, you know, they kind of go into a quiet state. They probably turn off half their brain. They're shutting up a lot of things down, mm. and but they're constantly moving. They have to do that to breathe. Wow. Well. What a, what and, of a course, if you live crazy. to be 100 years old, that's constantly moving for 100 years. Is be. that a standard Roughly, some sharks have recently been aged over 400 years old. Oh, my Whoa. God. Yeah, Greenland sharks. They're gnarly. That's crazy. Yeah. What's the what's different about them that they're so old? They live in really cold water, okay. and they live deep. And we Ooh. think what happens is everything slows down. Wow. So their heart rate is like 15 beats a minute. Oh, my God. Super slow. Now, using the philosophy in the movie, is there research that would take an aging cells of a Greenland shark and be like, how can we convert this into some sort of cream uh, or, you know, (laughs) to help with wrinkles? Uh, You know, we don't understand. We don't understand how some organisms can live to be that old. And there's a lot of research going on in that area right now because understanding what programs sell life, right? How long a cell can live and what enables a cell to last that long is really the key because after that, it's blueprint. Right. You have the DNA. The DNA makes a copy. Mm -hmm. So when an old cell starts wearing out, you produce a new one. Eventually, that blueprint can get damaged. You know, it's it's been torn from reading it over and over again, and it doesn't faithfully produce cells anymore. And that's just old age. And cells begin to die at faster rates. So in these really, really old sharks, is it because everything is slowed down? They live in really cold water, four degrees Celsius. That's just above freezing. Mm -hmm. They move incredibly slowly. So So, hypothetically, the like the programmed cell death code could be equivalent yep. to ours, but simply the environmental factors are what is... Slows everything down. Got it. So but they don't know possibility. for sure. We don't know for sure. So maybe if we spend more time in like an ice bath, yeah. we could live a longer life. True. But we're homeotherms. So we pay a huge price to keep our body warm all the time. Three meals a day, 2,000 calories a day. Right. That's just to, to keep stay warm. heated. Yeah. That's it. We're a big heat sack. Yep. <laughs> You're all heat sacks listening to this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they say uh, sharks can't swim backwards. The, the exact quote is, sharks can't swim backwards. They can't. 
So <laughs> they, that is true. They can't. Okay. Yes, um, they can wiggle backwards, but they cannot functionally swim backwards. And, oh. and there's two reasons for that. One is, you know, obviously the muscles can contract in a way to propel them forward. There's no reason why the muscles couldn't contract to propel them backwards. The problem is they would suffocate mm. because water is designed to go in through the front of the mouth right. across the gills, Whoa. head to tail. Design problem. If you drag a, wa- a shark through the water backwards, you will suffocate it. Wow. Because it cannot extract enough oxygen across its gills going the opposite direction. Secret way to kill a shark right there. Yeah. yeah. They should have so done these that. sharks hypothetically just held their breath and then scooted backwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going back. <laughs> there are some sharks, especially ones that live on the bottom, that can do that. Because really? they use their petrofins and they can actually walk backwards, you know, oh. kind of step back. Like but in walk. terms of swimming... You know, that's that's okay. sharks cannot functionally swim backwards. Cool. What do you guys think of the uh, scene where she kills that shark with a big wire, electrical wire uh, tube? I love that. That's a lesson in physics right there. Okay. As she leans against a concrete wall that's in seawater, but she's standing on her rubber wetsuit. Yay, good. There, you got a little grounding there. But the concrete wall is making contact with seawater. So all that is conductive. And of course, she's pulling that while she's wet. So, so good. There's, there, you know, yeah, I, those are things. This, this is, again, why it's such a great instructional aid. I show it to my students and say, don't do that. Yeah. yeah. If a shark's trying to attack you, don't do that. So she would have been fully electrocuted. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. pulling it out of the wall. Also, does yeah. it, because um, I mean, you have some, you know, expertise swimming in the water. Uh, I assume maybe, you know, if you electrocute water, if you do, like, uh-huh. I don't know what that's called, make it uh, dead. Deadly, you know, is that just for that period of time? Because there was like a superb amount of yes, yes. Uh, sparks flying yeah. and noises and stuff, and then it just chilled out. Yeah. And, and so also, is I think her safe? friends were in the in the same water, the next room over. Yeah, yeah it's all yeah, the exactly. same water, right? Exactly. So I guess that's my question: like, can she jump in after, or is it just during this? I don't know, ten second death period. Okay, so the, there are some interesting things in the movie where somebody clearly hasn't done research about living underwater, right? right? Okay, first of all, it's seawater, which is highly conductive. So if you throw something electrical in it, anything that's within 30 feet of it is probably going to feel it, Mm -hmm. if not get electrocuted completely. Mm -hmm. But the field will dissipate as you get away. So it's not going to spread throughout the whole facility. But you design things that if something accidentally falls into seawater, that a breaker will trip so you don't kill somebody. Oh, If you work an underwater facility... Um, you would specifically design fast-acting breakers to shut off immediately <laughs> when they ground like that. Right. That's for everybody's safety because yeah. you're working underwater. I mean, it's right? quite the facility, too. It seems like exactly. expensive time. Exactly. And the other <laughs> one that was just, you know, cracked me up was when the shark grabbed the guy that was in the stretcher and it took, pulled it underwater and it put, rammed it into the window. <laughs> and they stood there for 10 minutes <laughs> while the cracks are dispersing, yeah, going, cracked. oh, this is horrifying. Yeah. No, you run away. When you see cracks in a window and you're underwater, you, you definitely go away. The yeah. amount of t- and then Sam Jack is like, I think we should go. Yeah. <laughs> and then they slowly start to, yeah. yeah. He goes over to, uh, I don't, can't remember her name now, but he goes over to her and he's like, hey. We gotta go. We gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. That's Jan. <laughs> yeah, Jan. Sorry. Jan. I'm sorry. Sorry, Jan. <laughs> um, oh, and then uh, just what, what did you guys take away from this movie religiously? Because there uh, was clearly some... Yep. Uh, Boy. Some divine intervention. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There was a lot of... of of LL Cool J talking about what it was, the plight of the modern faith, faith holding man and being like, sometimes I'm on the pulpit and sometimes I'm holding the bottle. And it's just like so much back and forth of like the dichotomy of man in that. And yeah, he's, he is the hero at the end. So I guess the the movie does believe that, you know, religion will save us from the sharks. (laughs) <laughs> Did it make you guys uh, more in touch with God? I go to church after this. A, a little bit, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his. Yeah, that that like he was such a weird character. He was so weird. I was, yep. truly was like, what are you? What is your message? Here? But by far, if like if I ask my students, who is your favorite character in the movie? So many of them, being marine biologists, relate to the shark wrangler, right? Yeah. They're like, oh sure. yeah, I want to be a shark wrangler. Yeah, who went but to prison? All the rest, hands down, L. Cool J. L. Cool J. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think that, that was what I remembered most because I hadn't seen this movie in many years. But that is what I remembered most about the movie. I was like, I think L. Cool J is fucking chef in this. movie. 
movie, and his character is like ridiculous. Like that's the main yeah. thing that I took away from it. Him giving that the, when he when they're doing the prayer circle and him shifting from like a sort of standard Lord's prayer into and then we gonna kill these motherfucking. <laughs> it was so beautiful. Oh my god, good call. I love that was great. And they're 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 going up like they're uh, like running out of air to breathe, yeah. and he's just continuously like saying amen. And I don't remember what he's saying, but they're like they're trying to plan out what to do next. Right. And he's just still right. in like, it. Not now, preacher. Like, we're trying to get out you of here. You did the prayer. We said amen. Like, you might want to take some deep breaths because yeah. we got 60 feet to get yeah, to maybe, the surface. Let's talk about the plan here for three seconds. Um, okay. We are out of time, uh, but we do have a, a moment here to promote something. Can people take your classes? Can they join the Shark Lab? How does that work? Sure. So um, Cal State Long Beach, we have a great marine bio program. We attract a lot of people that are interested in sharks. Great. Uh, but we also give tours. So oh. the Shark Lab is, is kind of a known entity. We do a lot of shark education and research. Uh, we have a lot of school kids. 5,000 school kids come through the lab. And we talk about everything from electronics, physics, to sharks. Wow. So sharks and robots, how can you miss, right? Yeah. So, uh, And we also take donations. It's expensive doing this work. I have a lot of students working on really cool projects. Yeah. So if anybody wants to contribute or volunteer, we're always looking for help. How can, we, how can they do that? CSULB Shark Lab. That's all you got to do. We'll okay. pop up. Twitter, Great. Facebook, the web, Sweet. Instagram. Well, we'll put the link in the show, whatever, description. Uh, and hopefully everybody go donate and volunteer and help us understand how to make big robot sharks, which I assume <laughs> is exactly what the, the mission is here, right? That's our mission. All okay. right. <laughs> Turning 747. I want to know where those <laughs> Where sharks. are those sharks? I want to find oh out my where gosh. those wow. are. Great yeah. question. They're in somebody's garage somewhere, and I want to get, I yeah. get a hold yeah. of them. Yeah, it would be a big waste if they, like, demolish yeah. them. Have you guys done the Universal Backlot Tour where they have, a, they have the animatronic jaws? that jumps out and like scares no. the tram no. it's pretty cool okay yeah. I, want, I hope that they've now added uh, these uh, Deep, Deep Blue, Blue Sea yeah. sharks to it, hopefully. Yeah, right afterwards <laughs> and a much lesser known movie Deep Blue Sea here's the sharks from that uh, you have uh, some shows coming um, up Zeke something you want to promote yeah let's just do um, March 7th uh, AP Bio season 2 will premiere on NBC so check that out um, it's a fun show a, a name is scientific not a lot of science in the show <laughs> but, All right. uh, I think I think you'll enjoy it and season 1 is all on Hulu if you haven't seen it yet okay yeah. wonderful superb I've, I had a great time thank you guys for being thank here thank you so yeah, much thanks for having me okay and we'll see you next time when we do uh, what was it Shark Attack 3 Megalodon, Megalodon. I'll come back I swear okay <laughs> great Bye. Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our social media producers are Kate Baker and EJ Gullett. And the executive holy preacher-deucer is Brett Kushner. Follow us on Instagram at Bad Science Show for riveting behind-the-scenes stuff. And always feel free to send us an email, badscienceatseeker.com. That's badscienceatseeker.com. Join us next week for a conversation about finding Dory. And when you get a chance, steal your friend's phone and subscribe to the podcast on their phone. You have permission from me, and I'll see you next week. Bye.